Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us again on the PCICS podcast, the official podcast of the Pediatric Cardiac Intensive Care Society. My name is Raj Sahuli, and I'm a pediatric cardiac intensivist at NYU School of Medicine and Hassenfeld Children's Hospital. I'm also a member of the PCICS podcasting committee. Today, I have the opportunity to speak with Andrea Maric, Jillian Coronado, Kevin Sequera, and Cecilia St. George Hislop from Toronto Sick Kids. Today, I have the opportunity to speak with them on their project called One Fish, Two Fish, Not One VAD, But Two. They presented their work at the Joint Pediatric Critical Care International Meeting in London this past November. The meeting was a joint endeavor of PCICS, PICS, the Pediatric Intensive Care Society of the UK, and the European Conference on Pediatric and Neonatal Cardiac Intensive Care. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining me. So tell me a little bit about how you started this work. Hi, thank you for having us. Our SickKids VAD program began in April 2004 when a small team traveled to the German Heart Center in Berlin, Germany to learn about the Berlin Heart and to care for patients requiring ventricular assist support. Then the team consisted of two nurses, a perfusionist, a biomedical engineer, a surgeon, and a cardiac intensivist. The first patient was then implanted approximately eight months later with a biventricular Berlin Heart. And then several years later, we received training on another ventricular device called Heartware and has subsequently been trained on Centromag and Impella. Currently, our team is comprised of three physicians and eight nurses. Caring for children with VADs really requires a collaborative interprofessional approach in order to maximize safety and ideal patient outcomes. In the initial stages of the program development, an international or sorry, an interprofessional VAD support team was identified. Caring for this unique patient population really does pose challenges due to the complexities of medicine, technology, and quality of life. Can you tell me how many VADs your program have implanted and what are some of your outcomes? Sure. Since 2004, we have implanted a total of 59 VADs in 58 patients. So we've done 23 BIVADs, 35 LVADs, and one SVAD. One of our patients first received a Berlin Heart and then was explanted and uh, was then re-implanted sometime later with a hardware device, um, which we'll, we'll go into in a little bit more detail. But 50 have been Berlin Hearts, nine have been hardware devices. We've had about five deaths um, with a positive outcome in 92% surviving to transplant, explant, or are currently on support. Currently, we have two kitties on devices, one on a hardware and one on a Berlin Heart. We've done about five explants in total. Three have had successful long-term explants and two explants that have subsequently required transplantation. Well, congratulations on your tremendous efforts. Can you tell me specifically a little bit more about the young girl that you guys presented today at PCICS? We present a story of resilience from a family in the remarkable journey of adaptation with a child diagnosed with dilated cardiomyopathy. Our description of her story will include direct reflection and quotes from the family. The etiology of our patient, Ava's heart failure, was unclear at presentation. The differential diagnosis include idiopathic dilated cardiomyopathy versus tachycardia-induced cardiomyopathy. 
She initially presented at the age of five years old in decompensated heart failure and failed to improve despite maximal medical therapy and was subsequently listed for heart transplantation. A Berlin Heart left ventricular assist device was implanted as a bridge to transplantation with excellent post-implant recovery and rehabilitation. While on support, her ventricular function continued to improve and after undergoing a thorough weaning protocol, LVAD was eventually explanted. After this surgery, she recovered well and was managed with oral heart failure medication and regular outpatient follow-up. She resumed her normal life at home and returned to school. Nine months post-explant, her heart failure did re reoccur and she was again readmitted to hospital with decompensated heart failure, requiring mechanical ventilation and potential for mechanical circulatory support. Since she had grown since her first VAD implant, the decision was made by the team to place a heartware VAD. She again recovered well after the surgery without complications and was happy to be discharged home with her VAD. Two and a half months later, she received a heart transplantation and is now well, doing well at home. Well, that's certainly great news. So, what are some of the elements that help to build this child and family's resilience? Resilience is defined as the ability or process of adaptation in the face of adversity, trauma, or stress. These are the characteristics that describe this little girl's adaptation through several major surgeries and each life-changing event and experience. It describes a girl and a family who were able to make the necessary transitions at each phase throughout their journey. In the words of Ava's mother, sick is never a word that they use to describe her. Ava has always had a big personality. She's spirited, energetic, smart, willful, imaginative, challenging, but sick was never a word we would use to describe her. As a baby, she might have been ill once in a while, but always bounced right back. All of that changed over a period of 48 hours in 2018, when she went from complaining of stomach pain to being unconscious and intubated in the cardiac ICU at SickKids. We were shocked when the team told her that she had an acute viral infection that resulted in cardiomyopathy. Going from having a perfectly healthy child to one that is critically ill is beyond comprehension. Unfortunately, one month later, Ava's condition was not able to be medically managed and she needed to be implanted with a Berlin heart. However, soon after, Ava returned to her baseline spunky self. The next five months were long, but despite this, Ava loved being at the hospital. She attended all the activities when she was well enough and gave more than a few nurses and doctors a fright running up and down the halls while pushing a large and heavy device behind her. It's a testament to the dedication of each and every staff who showed no signs of frustration being on auto-repeat, who answered our outpatient emails at 9 p.m. on a Friday, who helped our family work through these challenges, who created a wonderful environment for my daughter, and above all else, saved her life more than once. Part of building this resilience for Ava and her family was the team's effort in normalizing her and her family's life as much as possible. So one of our favorite stories about Ava was after her implant, her mother asked her to name her new hardware device. Thinking that this would help normalize what she was going through, she chose licorice. And over the next few months, they were inseparable. That's great. A few weeks post-surgery, Ava was once again back to her regular routine. Our team at SickKids was very supportive in hospital and in helping her get back to school for the last few weeks of the year. We even made a special visit to her school to help her introduce licorice to her classmates so that they could understand what she was going through. 
Again, quoting her mother, Ava has been so strong and resilient throughout these challenges and has amazed us at every turn. She never considered herself sick and we never treated her like she was. We made sure she was comfortable, cared for, had a voice in her treatments when possible, but also did our best to help her understand that this was temporary and that her everyday structure remained throughout hospital stays and at home. In addition to hospital-facilitated activities, we organized playdates with friends, had regular family dinners, played games of hide-and-seek, and let her climb on furniture and run through the hallways, much to the worry of our staff. We often received comments on how strong she was and the level of energy she displayed. Often, friends asked how we coped, but Ava did make it really easy for us. It's hard to understand a child's perspective of illness until you hear them talk about something so life-changing. The first day Ava went back to camp post-transplant, the Friday of her release, by the way, her friends asked her where licorice was, and she simply said, I don't need licorice anymore. I have a new heart. End of story. Later that day, when answering a question from another classmate about the transplant, she said to me, It's not fair. Ava got a new heart. I want one. (laughs) Are there other strategies your team utilizes to promote resilience in other patients? A great part of what we do is facilitating meaningful connections and caring relationships, having realistic plans, and having support to carry them out. But most of all, having a dedicated team of professionals to ensure a seamless transition throughout all phases of care. Very important in supporting and normalizing the life of a child on a VAD is the work that of the child life specialist. This is a critical role supporting the child through dressing changes and other procedures that come along with hospitalization. The role is unique in that their focus is on other aspects of the child and their development. It helps to demedicalize her hospital experience. This family advocated strongly to be able to take their child off ward without a nurse. Because of their strong advocacy for themselves and others, uh, we established a care-by-parent delivery model in order for families to be authorized to take their child off the cardiac inpatient unit without a healthcare professional. This was a big, big move to helping families cope with their hospitalized experience. These guidelines are customized to the needs, skills, and resources of each child and family. Specified areas are identified throughout the hospital for a defined time period of two hours at a time. Mind you, they can go out many times a day without being with a nurse. Goals of this model are driven on the need to create an environment that focuses on the needs of the child and the family. It further establishes families to utilize their skills to provide for their child's needs and maximize family involvement in the decision-making and care responsibilities. Part of this care-by-parent model required fairly extensive training of the family to be able to take their child off safely. And that meant us teaching them about the Berlin itself and how it works, about teaching them how to manage medical emergencies, about teaching them about anticoagulation and the risks of falls, potential for bleeding. We also walked them around each of the areas of the hospital and that they could visit, and we showed them exactly the code blue bell, the telephones, the staff in each area where they could access should they need support, and how they could connect with the ward staff in non-emergent situations and then the code blue team in emergent situations. We also went on to test the family, so they underwent four OSCEs and another shorter competency checklist before they were allowed to take their child off the ward without a healthcare professional. So readiness for independence has been shown to be influenced by the quality of the teaching, 
Thus, education is the foundation in gaining independence for these families. So as you can see, this child and this family, despite the challenges that they faced, all showed incredible resilience. Can you tell me, did you guys encounter any barriers in developing your Care by Parent program? I think probably one of our biggest barriers was perhaps us, only because of the concern that maybe the parents would go off ward with the child, and even though we had trained them, that potentially if something happens, would they actually be able to manage it? We had been having children on VADS since 2004, and we had never had anyone go off the floor without a nurse, so it was our own level of anxiety about whether or not this was possible. However, because the family advocated so strongly and repeatedly, we felt that it was important for their well-being to allow this family to receive the training and the competency testing and take their child off the ward. And the final thing I want to say is that, that Ava actually was having a transplant the following day after they had been signed off. And the child life and the father told her that she was going to get a heart transplant the next day. And she said, I can't wait to tell my mum. And her mum actually already knew, but it was the child life specialist and the father that told the child. So we did take her off the ward but it was only for 15 minutes because she wanted the nurse. She was so used to having a nurse. That was a great story because then the next day she got explanted. Another great example of the resiliency of this family and of your guys' team. Mm -hmm. On a final note, one last note from Ava's mom. As of today, Ava has no negative memories of the VAD or her time in the hospital, quite the opposite. She speaks about it often and how she misses being there, her parents don't. We're very thankful for the staff at SickKids for their care and for accommodating a normal five-year-old in an abnormal situation. And we used a Dr. Zeus theme for our presentation, and there was one quote that particularly spoke to us about this little girl. Today, you are you. There is no one alive who is youer than you. Well, that's excellent. Thank you again to Andrea Maurich, Jillian Coronado, Kevin Sequera, and Cecilia St. George Hislop, for speaking with me today about one fish, two fish, not one VAD, but two. We've enjoyed having you on our podcast. To all our listeners, thank you for listening to the PCICS podcast. Please don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And please subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please visit our website, PCICS.org, where you can find more information about how to become a member and enjoy updated info on educational resources, meetings, job listings, and much more. The song, I Don't Know by Grapes, was used under Creative Commons 3.0 Attribution License.